Have you ever wondered how the separate threads of your life fit in to one big picture? How the individual moments of challenge and triumph connect to one another to form the great meaning of your life? I am Anna Mullins, your Life Story Editor, and I'm convinced that making sense of our deepest pain can help us understand our deepest purpose. In my speaker training program and on this podcast, I help people weave together those confusing, often shameful pieces of their past, revealing the life-changing lessons that create their profound new story. Welcome to Unapologetic Stories, where secrets are out and the truth is in. Welcome back, storytellers. I am so, so thrilled about today's edit. This is going to be so much fun. I have a super rad guest on today, and I'm so grateful to finally have her here on the podcast. Uh, So I'm going to introduce her to you. Though, big though, she may be best known for her role on ABC's The Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise. No secret, we all know those shows. She is also actually a successful entrepreneur an artist, a poet, a surfer, a golfer, lots of things we'll talk about today. And also super excited about this one. She's a soon to be published author with her book of art and spoken word entitled, drumroll, AP Unwritten. She is Annalise Puccini. And Annalise, um, here's the really interesting thing about her, is she felt, and you'll tell me more about this, Annalise, when I welcome you on, you felt really locked into others' judgments and perceptions for a really long time, um, and then finally had enough, and deciding to unwrite that story and embrace a new chapter of your life and write this book is really what brings you here today. So welcome. Welcome to Unapologetic Stories. Thank you. I'm so excited. (laughs) We chat all the time, but this is like special. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny, right? Like we talk about so many other things, but then we like formalize it. We hit record and all of a sudden we're like, what are we going to do? But we're just going to have a lovely conversation and we're going to talk about all the things that are important to you. Um, But I think most importantly, all the things that I've learned about you as a one-time fan of the show and kind of knew you as a character on this show, knowing you now as Annalise, just the human being behind that brand has been really, really enlightening to me. And it's great to just really feel connected to you. And I'm hoping that the audience and the listeners get to see that side of you today. So that's where we're going to go. Yeah, it's going to be so (laughs) So I'm just going to get it out the way first. But before we get started on all the good book stuff, I want to actually talk a little bit about how you even came to be on a reality show as big as The Bachelor. What made you search for love? Let's just talk about that uh, love in such a major way. I think I'm always in search of love. I think, I mean, most of us are, right? So, um, so that's probably part of it. I've always been a hopeless romantic. I've always wanted that love story. And then I found myself at 32 and single. And I was a little bit, maybe it was, um, it was like a, a, sh- a couple shifts that happened in the last, in the, in the years prior to that. And I just sort of felt like, why not? Like I was, I kind of was done with dating sites. I, I put myself out there on so many like blind dates, setups, you know, and I was like, nothing's working. So 
like, why don't I just try going on a reality TV show and trying it, you know? And I, mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be a very different experience than it was. So, um, but I also didn't think I would even get on the show. I think that was a big part of it too. I went, I yeah, I got a phone call one day, um, maybe it was on Instagram, I can't remember, but somebody reached out to me and they said, five people in our office just said, you need to get in touch with this girl. And then they reached out. And so I still, to this day, I'm not totally sure what got me on the show. I have like, I have people have told me that they've nominated me. Um, and so it's just one of those things. And I thought, well, this is like kind of a funny, weird thing in life, you know? And, um, and so I went through with just like the casting process with every audition. I was like, probably won't get to the next one probably won't get to the next one and then they kept calling me up and I'm like okay (laughs) so it felt like one of those things where it was like well if life wants me to be on this show then I'm gonna be on this show yes and what's so interesting and I I know this about you but now the listeners are probably getting this sense as well is we watch these shows and we imagine that most people are going on it for exposure and some kind of business opportunity and maybe there's a, a a chance to build a brand and here you are literally just really looking for love. I think I was like one of the crazy ones. I like remember <laughs> hearing, <laughs> I remember hearing somebody say like, you'd have to be like crazy to actually be one of the people that was like looking for a relationship. But I was, you know, I, yeah. to me, like I had done acting and modeling my whole life. And so, yeah, like I feel really comfortable in front of the camera. So I think that that was a little bit of um, like an edge for me at first, but then uh, like during the casting process. One, once I actually got on the show and I realized I was playing myself, but then a role that basically they had written for me, they were trying to squeeze who I was into this box that they had of a character that they had written. And so it all of a sudden felt very weird. I had played characters. I had, you know, been somebody else, but now I was like being myself, but it wasn't, it was still, there was a disconnect because it actually wasn't me. It totally does. And it's really like uh, immediately I'm just having a big like aha moment, particularly that your book is called Unwritten. And here we have this reality show where the character and your life story and your love life was written for you. This was predetermined. Yeah. I think I fell, I fell into the niche of a 30 something year old that wanted to get married and have kids. And so my character became that person who is desperate for those things and wants those things. And, um, and that was like it, you know, but what I realized is that after I would say in the last couple months, like one of the big eye opening things that I've had that we've actually discussed is just like, is yes, like looking back at my life and going, I at 18 wrote a story for myself of what I envisioned Uh, my adult life to be like, you know, I get married at 26, have babies by the time I'm 30. And then now at 36, I was like, that's still the story that I'm living by. I haven't, I've just been waiting sort of in a way for those things to happen so that my, my story is comes together. And, um, and now that that hasn't, like, hasn't happened, I was like, this is so dumb. Like, why am I just waiting for these things? I need to rewrite who I am now and what I want. And that's been like a really big shift. And that's where I think I was having some like identity crisis things happen on the show because I was being told I was something, I was feeling something else, but I was like, not sure, couldn't get that across. Um, Mm, And then I don't think I was totally grounded or solid in like what I 
wanted or what I thought I wanted or, or had it, you know, maybe some of these bigger questions, if I had asked, if I had asked myself them and then gone on the show, I probably wouldn't have been cast because I would have been a lot more <laughs> grounded. They would have been like, we can't mess with her. Uh, but you know, yeah, I think that's, I mean, in a big way, that's probably why I was cast because I was just a little unsure of who I was and what I wanted and where I was going with my life. And so it was, I was easily manipulated at that stage in my life into, oh yeah, that's what I want. Or, you know. Mm, and it felt that way for you then. It felt like, it felt like a manipulation of your story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so many of my friends and family after the fact watching the show were like, I couldn't watch it. It wasn't you. Oh, and, um, and that's the thing. Yeah. Like so many people, I mean, again, people are starting to get to know me if they follow me on social media and they're like, Oh, like you were the character that was scared of everything. And here you are kind of a like badass, you like do all these <laughs> adventurous things. And, and so that's, um, I think that's like really unfortunate. I've always been like super outdoorsy and active and like I am an adventurous and I try things and I got pigeonholed as somebody who was a scaredy cat and I'm like I'm really not but you know at the time I'd had no idea that that was even mm-hmm. my storyline yeah and so, so disempowering I mean, too disempowering to you and who you are but also disempowering just in general to women who are looking for love. It doesn't put you in a vulnerable situation or shouldn't put you in a vulnerable situation where you're painted into this kind of this mask of desperation. It really is just a beautiful mission that one wants to find love for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Being like, this is something that I want and declaring it and then not being judged for that. So uh, I think it was a really, it was confusing because then after coming out of the show I felt like I had to be the persona that people wanted me to be from the show and so then I was still feeling a little disjointed of like that's not really me but that's what people want of me and so there is still this like ongoing um judgment and just like uh it, it just I think people didn't connect with me as well either because they were like wait what's false you know like I think people ah. were confused a bit too mm-hmm. Some people on the show, I think, are portrayed very much of who they are. And then other people get very interesting edits. I was one of those people (laughs) that got a, I mean, I think it was Kendall, actually, Kendall Long, who said in an interview that I was like one of the people that got one of like the worst edits, you know, and I'm pretty sure it was her that said that. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's true. Like, I just think people are really confused. They're like, but you're that person. And I'm like, no, I'm actually not. So, I mean, that's where it's also it's also just for me to now be standing up and say for myself and recognizing who I am and just being like, I'm not going to just be somebody on Instagram or whatever, because that's what you believe me to be. I'm going to like be myself, you know, and if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, then that's and that that's, too. And I you think know? the answer is like, then that's actually okay. You don't have to like me. That's not really the mm-hmm. goal here. The goal is to just live more, lives that are more uniquely us and just do the things that really fill you up and align with what your ultimate purpose is, which I know you're doing now, not just with this book, but in like, I mean, I really do. I see you on Instagram surfing and you picked up surfing like within the last year, I think, and you're actually really Mm -hmm. good at it. 
And then you started golfing and you're really good at it. Like these <laughs> things are just, they kind of come to you naturally when you step into things that you really enjoy. What would you say if you had to define Annalise now? So if you were entering the show now, we won't make that happen. But if you had to step in, what would your character be if you had to describe Annalise now as you would write her? I mean, I think something that would be so cool is if I was actually portrayed as somebody who was in their mid thirties and who was living this like cool independent life and not fitting into the box of what is like the societal norms of what I should be doing in my mid thirties. Um, and I think just like a confidence and resilience that I, I know that I have and that I felt very much, um, lacking in my time that I was on the show I think my confidence was like I mean it's the it's they want to kind of create drama right of course that's like Mm -hmm. what the show is all about and so there was a lot of things that because I wasn't as confident back then there was a lot of things that could be easily said to make my confidence even lower and because I was one of the oldest people on my on my season there was always like an ageism thing. There was, and I was mostly ageist against myself, you know, because other like producers and whatnot would, would make comments about like, oh, do you think that it's because the other girls are younger because you're older because of this and that. And then like, of course you start to second guess yourself as like, oh yeah, maybe like, I wish I was a little tighter and things are, (laughs) you know, but like, but at the same time, I'm like, no, I have experience and I do have confidence in who I am. And it's okay that I'm in my mid thirties and it's cool that I, you know, have built a career and I've done things like those aren't things that should be um, diminished, you know, at all. It should be, it should be glorified. So I would hope that my character would be somebody of a role model of like, this is who you could be in your thirties or any yes. stage in your life really. But like, yeah. And I think I'm going to add to that yeah. too. That you, don't I have to, you don't have to hide. You don't have to hide. And, and so much too is what you're describing here. And because I have the privilege of sort of knowing you personally, what you're describing is this one box that everybody needs to fit into, at least in the scheme of reality TV, but definitely in the system as well, is that we all have to either be a certain age, look a certain way, be looking for the same thing or have the same goals. And for you, fitting in was actually not something that was going to serve you very well. I mean, you've just recently on social media, I think it must've been your Instagram account. I was reading it on. I know you and I have talked about this is, um, really got deeply honest about growing up feeling a little bit different and learning mm-hmm. in a different way and having to even read books in a different way than other people. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Just your kind of the differences that you felt growing up? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's who sh- what shapes us into the adults that we become. And it's, it's, um, so I would say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to quote it from my book exactly, but it's something, I just love it. It's like, uh, I developed earlier, oh, now I'm blanking on it, but it's such a good line. Um, you've read it, I'm sure. But anyways, yes, it's like, I I, my body developed early, but my there was like other things about me that just like were very 
felt very underdeveloped because of my neurodiversity. And it wasn't that they were underdeveloped. It was the way that people, you know, treated me that made me feel like I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't, um, I just wasn't, I wasn't the norm, you know, like I had huge boobs when I was in sixth grade. And so I just instantly became the dumb blonde. And that was like my, that was the story that society had written for me, just like a reality TV wrote my story. It was a story that other people had wrote for me of like, you look a certain way, you are a certain way. So that's who you are. You know, you become the girl who flirts even though like I would wear two sports bras to school because I didn't want to like draw attention to my chest. And I felt always super uncomfortable about, you know, the way I'd look and and wear baggy t-shirts and things like that. I mean, I still do. (laughs) Um, But you weren't beautiful. But, you know, I've always been, I've never wanted my body or the way I look to define who I am. And I think what I've noticed and what's been like really apparent recently, especially is there's been so many chapters in my life where that's exactly what has dictated what other people think of me. You know, it's like, you look a certain way, so therefore you should be something. You are a certain age, so therefore you should be doing something. And, and that's something that I'm working on with my therapist ongoing is, is just these shoulds and breaking free of this perfectionism and breaking free of the judgments that other people put on you to be something and just being like, I don't care if that's what you want me to do, be or that's who you think I am. And I don't, I don't even need to prove it to you that I'm not that. Or, you know, I think that's something too. For so long, I was always trying to prove to people that either I did fit into that box that they wanted me to be in. Or um, because, again, it's kind of like something, it's like with me right now, it's like people who maybe knew me as a character, they, there's a disconnect between who I'm portrayed as and who I actually am. And so for for me, for a long time, I was just trying to fit into the box that other people had put on me. So that way it was easier for other people to get me. But I'm I'm like... (laughs) And this sort of like, it sounds like it kind of bookended and almost validated your own personal lived experience growing up anyway. It was sort of validating for you that there was a box that you were meant to fit in, that you were going to try and fit in, or you were going to follow this narrative and all along just feeling completely and utterly misaligned, even as a child. And we're going to circle back a little bit on the neurodiversity piece when we talk about some of the struggles that you faced in writing your book and what kind of book you wanted to put out in the world. But even just looking at this, um, this conversation about body image and what that might represent and how much pressure you put on yourself to have or be or fit into that particular narrative. I think it's a really interesting kind of thread that has led us to a book called literally unwritten, like stop writing these stories for me. world. (laughs) Stop telling me who I am. I'm going to now tell you who I am and what I'm all about. We're going to unwrite or rewrite. And now we're going to show up in, I suppose the cliche word would be authentic self, but show up really aligned with what that purpose and what that mission is for you. So let's kind of segue into the book a little bit. What actually inspired you of all the lovely things that you do, surfing and painting and all of that, what inspired you to write a book? Uh, so that has been an interesting journey of just 2020, right? I feel like everyone's had these little like moments where they're like, Ooh, what was the gift that came from it? It was a strange, strange gift because it was not, it was not expected at all. Um, 
And it's really funny because I remember actually texting with you one day and you saying, because I write most of my poems in my notes section on my phone. And you had said, like, is there anything else to send my way um, that you want me to take a look at? And so I was going through my notes and I remember finding, and I think I've told you this, but I found a note from March, 2020. And at the very top of the list, it said, write a book. And I was like, that's weird. Cause I was, I manifested it and I didn't even realize I put it out there and I let it go. And I actually forgot about it. Cause this is not the, it was not the book that I was thinking about writing anyways. It's never like poetry. I always sort of like think in poetry in a lot of ways. And I, uh, like when I was a kid, I would write songs and, you know, so I think there's like something very lyrical about how I think. Um, and, and I don't know if that's, you know, because of just how I think, or if that's just me or what, but no, I um, think that's so what a beautiful, we're going to come back to that because uh, there's something lyrical about the way I think. I don't know if anyone else just had like goosebumps when you said that, what a beautiful <laughs> way to define or describe. I mean, whether you call it neurodiversity or just the fact that we're all uniquely different in the way that our brains and minds kind of process the world and spit it back out. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And I think the funny thing about my brain is the way that I think like 80% of the time is not what comes out of my mouth. You know, it's like there's, there is a literal disconnect between my brain and, and what comes out. But anyways, so I, um, so I, I had, um, what felt like a very, you know, I don't, I don't love saying it now because I, I, don't want to make people feel bad, but I had like a pretty beautiful 2020 for the most part. And then um, I went through a breakup that just was, was the final straw in me doing a lot of work and saying like, this is it. I'm, I'm never going down this road again. I've had it. Like I'm done, done, done. So whatever this cycle is, whatever this pattern is, I'm never repeating it again. And I just made that declaration and um when that happened, it was like the breakup was my muse. And all of a sudden I could not stop writing and I couldn't stop thinking in poetry. And it was like, I would take a bath and write five poems. And I would like on the plane um, from leaving San Francisco to getting to Hawaii, there was no screens. And I was like, I just went through a breakup two days before. And what am I, what am I supposed to do? Sit on a plane with my own thoughts? Like this is, this (laughs) This is torture. <laughs> and I I, so every day. Yeah. So I just sat and I wrote. And um, and then there was just like this moment where I was quarantined in Hawaii for two weeks by myself. And um, I started talking to my therapist again. And I was writing a ton. I was meditating. I was just doing a lot of really great things for me um, in my self-care. And I just thought, I probably have a collection of work to, to have a book. Like, I think there's enough stuff here that I could actually actually yes you do book together <laughs> yeah so, I've read it all you definitely have a book yeah. so then uh yeah I just started like reaching out to people that I know that known that publish books and and reaching out to um publishers and next thing I knew I met with you uh and Megan and it was such a beautiful meeting and I just felt so held by these women and supported and just um felt very much like these are the these in what I'm going through these are the people that I need surrounding me Mm. and it just was uh it, it felt like a perfect little partnership and so that's how the book was kind of born and then um yeah but it's definitely been I think in that phase, it was, it was easy to write 
I was, I was so in the healing process and it was like so fresh and all the wounds were opened and, um, anything I had been thinking and feeling, I felt like for the last couple of years was just all coming to the surface. Uh, so it was really like, like I say, it was, it was my muse in so many ways. And then, um, something that I've learned about myself over the years, and it's definitely become apparent again, trying to get this book all together is I'm somebody with, I'm very creative, but with my creativity, I get very tapped into one thing at a time. And I have a hard time doing, like if I'm really into painting, really into drawing, I'm in that. And I have a hard time like doing anything creative, anything else creative. Hmm. That's what I started to find with the book is I wanted it to be my poetry and then also my art. And I was having a hard time doing both. And then I started to realize how much of uh, it was just self-sabotage as well, where it's like, it's, it's not going to be good enough or, you know, that self-doubt and that, that talk track that we tell ourselves sometimes of like, it's, you know, why, why try? Cause it's probably not going to be great anyways, or it's never going to be exactly what you want it to be. So this is good enough. You know, it was like those kinds of things. And, and, um, and I, and I know that there's even still a part in me still where I'm like, I know some of my art in the book could be better, but then there's also another part of me that's like, I really want this book to feel so relatable and, um, and like attainable to somebody who does want to just pick up a pencil or a pen and start drawing themselves and not feel like, oh my gosh, all artwork has to be this thing, has to be yes. this perfect thing. I love that. And thank you for sharing all of that. Cause that's, I mean, certainly I've been along with you on this journey and it's <laughs> so wonderful to see all of this kind of unfolding and evolving for you. But I think that you're describing what a lot of creatives run into, which is all of the ideas, but sometimes we don't have the confidence just to bring the one thing forward that we really want to say. It sort of sits there and it says, I really want this to be out in the world, but then we doubt ourselves and we wonder if it'll be accepted. We wonder if we're going to be, if people are going to like it and ultimately if they're going to like us and all of the same questions that you have, I hate to kind of minimize this, but all the same questions you have when you show up on like a reality show, will people Mm -hmm. like me? Is this the narrative I want out in the world? Do I have that same? So here we're like bringing a full project out, a book of love and heartbreak and healing. I don't doubt that that was probably a really difficult creative process for you. I'm curious if you can explain or describe your book to the listeners, how would you describe AP Unwritten? What will they get? So I would say it is a it's a journal basically of uh, of my I, I keep I always say this and it like really doesn't make sense for it, but it's just like what feels <laughs> authentic for the book, maybe for me. But it's just like a love letter to myself in in the the hurt, the heartbreak, the healing, the growth, all of these phases and stages that we go through, through many things, not just an actual um, breakup, but, you know, death or loss of a job or, you know, um, anything that really impacts us in a big way. Uh, This is just, it's, it's, it's recognizing all of those feelings and emotions and the, you know, peaks and valleys that we go through when we're going through going through it, you know? Mm. And so, um, so it's just, I mean, it really, I want it to feel like a journal. I want it to feel like something sitting on somebody's coffee table that they have a friend come over and the friend picks it up and just goes like, Oh, what is this your journal? What a beautiful journal. Like I want it to feel personal. 
I want every reader to feel like this could be mine. Yeah. Um, like they have their own say in it and they, they feel really connected to it. Yeah. And I think that's what great poetry does. And I would, I mean, if I objectively were to describe this, I would say it is no question. It's a journal. It's, it just has that feeling and that warmth about it, but it also includes this incredible kind of spoken word poetry, this like hand-drawn art from you, obviously that kind of moves through the poetry. But one of the things that really struck me too, that I think is really interesting is, uh, and this came from our first conversation. I don't even know if you remember that far back. That was so many months and it was 2020. So who knows if we have a memory of it, but we talked about um, moving through your own personal journey with love and heartbreak and healing and really reaching out for books to read through and to get some sense of inspiration or some grounding or some motivation to know that you were not alone. And yet it was really a struggle for you to kind of make it through page by page by page and really remember everything. And what the offering is here, which to me just feels like my heart just leaps out of my chest when I think about it, is that you offer people a way to... Um, this is how I would sum it up and I'm, I'm going to butcher this. I'm sure I feel like it's the easiest, deepest read possible. You get this deep, 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 really artistic and creative content, but you can digest this information so beautifully, so easily. You can really associate with it quickly. You can pick it up when you need it, but you can also use it as more of a journal. It doesn't need to be read through from page one to page 300 it can be on your coffee table and pick it up just when you need it and, and really dip into it in the parts that make sense to your life. So I think it's such a gift, really. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's what I want it to be. I want it to be deep. I want people, yes. I, you know, I want people to be able to pick it up though. And, and like you say, be able to easily digest it. And when they're feeling a certain way to be able to read one poem, uh, and, and feel like, oh, I feel heard. <laughs> I feel seen, you know? Uh, totally. And I, I think that was a big part of it all too, is like I started sharing my work with some of my friends and strangers even, like I'd meet somebody and I'd tell them what I was up to and they'd be like, oh, read one. And I felt so often that people were just like, wow, like, are you in my head right now? Like people yeah. felt very connected. And, and, and that's like, for me, it's, it's, again, it's getting rid of that perfectionism and that perfect complex, because there is a part of me that's like my worst critic. And we all are where I'm like, oh, it could be better. It could be this, it could be that. But at the same time, I'm like, if it was though, maybe it wouldn't be so relatable. Maybe the person that needs to read it needs to read it, how it's written or how it's drawn, you know? Yep. Um, so you know, it, yeah. And it was, I think it was a hard journey just because I was going through a process. Like I was going through a heartbreak and I was going through a lot of change moving to Hawaii. And so there was just a lot of um, like the actual process of writing the book has been challenging. You know, the beginning part was probably the easiest. And then going back and having to read some of my poems that I was writing when I was like, you know, tears running down my face or whatever, like it was sometimes very much brought all of those feelings back up and it would be hard to bring myself back to that place. But, um, yeah, it's, yeah, no, I think it's great. And I think if you look at the themes too, like love, heartbreak and healing really, which is not your personal journey, but it's where your kind of unwritten story begins is moving through all of these different phases. Those three things, love, heartbreak and healing are not perfectly polished places to be. 
those places are arguably the most vulnerable places in the world to be in love, to be in healing, to be in heartbreak, to present kind of a completely filtered, perfectly polished version of any of those things for me might feel disingenuine, really. It's again, it's just painting this narrative Mm -hmm. that isn't really true. And I think that's maybe what people respond to most with your writing. And certainly what I respond to is when I read it, I'm like, yeah, man, that's the messy stuff. That's exactly how you really do feel. Yeah. And it's raw and it's not like, it's not perfect. And it's like, even the way that it's written, you know, um, there's like grammatical things that because it's spoken word, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's how it's meant to be said. Not, it's not the right thing necessarily. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a little off and I feel like it's a, it's a little me, you know, it's just, it's how I think (laughs) it's, um, it's not complete sentences. It's jagged. It's like, you know, sometimes repetitive, but it's literally lyrical. Mm Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. This lyrical thought that I'll, I'll, I'll never forget the way that you describe that. It's so beautiful. Lyrical <laughs> thought. I'm sure there's so many people listening that are like, that's how my mind works too. It just comes up. I put a lot of like periods in my sentences, like all sentence fragments, like a million of them. Emails are never grammatically correct here. I'm like working for the self-publishing agency and I, all my emails have periods all over the place. They're just like big impact <laughs> and punctuation everywhere, but it's, it really helps kind of to know, I think when somebody reads a book like yours, that they're getting the real person. And then for you, the added benefit there is that for the, you know, even though you're on reality TV, it's really the unreal version of you. And here is this final presentation of like, here's Annalise, the unwritten and also perfectly unfinished version. There's so much more coming for you. I'm actually curious, what is kind of next? For Annalise, what can people, other than this beautiful book, which is on its way, (laughs) shelves everywhere, uh, what can we expect from you in the future? Uh, I mean, big things, but it's all, it's all, this is the tip of the iceberg. I feel like the book is the launching point. The book um, was the, was the catalyst to uh, making me see things in myself and in what I want and who I want to be so much clearer. And, uh, and I think getting to know you and, uh, and, and just how wonderful you are, it's like also really inspired me to look into how I want to use this platform and how I want to move forward. And uh, I mean, I'd love to continue to use art and poetry and to speak to people with, um, with neurodiversity, but also to just be a voice for, uh, empowerment in, in in going through things and like f- just taking it to the next level and rising up and and growing you know and uh, and so I'm hoping that this is going to be a really great beautiful launching point for me to work with people one on one coaching mentoring and uh, and I'm doing the Chopra coaching yeah. course. And I'm super I was hoping you were going to announce that. Yes. So you've joined the Chopra coaching kind of teacher training path, which is one that I ventured down several years ago. And it's where I have my certification. And truly, I think I said this to you, it changed my life, really changed my life. And I'm so glad you're on that path and be one of the team. I know I'm super excited. So I just feel like everything is really lining up for um, for what I see in my future. And that's to, to be a mentor, a coach, and to use 
my own personal experiences with uh, with breaking the molds, I guess, of of the shoulds and the judgments and writing my own story, creating my new narrative. So, um, but I also, I want to give people who are going through anything in their life a chance to say, it's not written in stone. Like just because this is what, what you set out to do when you were 20 does not mean this is what you need to be doing at 30 or 40 or 50 or, I mean, you can always change the story. And so it's allowing yourself to embrace what you, what and who you are and take a real look at yourself and, and write the story that you want for yourself. Ugh, that could not be a more beautiful way to end this. I was quite literally going to ask you, <laughs> like, what, does, uh, what is unwritten and what is that gift to, what's that kind of last piece of advice and wisdom around the word unwritten? And here you just delivered it, I think, which is, you know, there is no, there is no end to this. You just get to re-edit you get to rewrite you get to take control of your life and your narrative and who you are and just keep bringing whatever new version or creative version of yourself you want to the world it's amazing Mm -hmm. and just because you were one thing does not mean that's also yeah it's not it's just not set in stone you can go back and erase things and say I mean that completely but you know what I mean there's like some things in our life that we can say "Mm, that's not me anymore um and that is totally okay. You don't have to stick with just because I was on a reality TV show. Like those feelings of other people that see me in that mold, not, I'm not that, you know, that's, some, that's not, does not divide, define me. I think that's a big thing. Those things don't define you. Beautiful. I love that wisdom. Well, thank you, Annalise. I'm so grateful to have had you here. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was so fun. <laughs> so fun. Well, that was such a fun conversation. I know I say that a lot, but I just have the best and coolest guests and clients. Um, Annalise, I'm just so grateful that you were here and certainly for sharing that last piece of wisdom, which is so profound, is this move to just continuously rewrite your own story. How powerful is that? You have to first know that story, really dig in and understand in order to know which parts of it need changing. But truly, I believe that editing your stories, editing your stories is the single most powerful thing that you can do for yourself. Now, the one thing that held me back early, held me back early in my life and career, and sometimes continues to hold me back, I would say, is this thinking that if I change who I am or show up in a different way, that I have to kind of re-engage with community and, and be accepted all over again. So it feels like quite a struggle. It's like if I evolve, will people still like me? Will they still love me the same way? If they see different parts of me that they've never seen before, if I reveal something new or pull back the curtain, will that still be the same version of me, the reality version of what you see, the Anna show, uh, will that still be loved, liked, appreciated, accepted? That's a challenge. And I can recall a time actually early on when I first became a coach and I was certified, as Annalise and I said, in in the Chopra program. So certified with Deepak Chopra, which is quite spiritual philosophy, of course. And I was scared to even show up in my business and like accidentally swear because I had this impression that you can either be spiritual or you can swear, but you can't be both. And I mean, that's a little bit crazy, but I had that validated many times, you know, don't lower your vibe and all this other weird 
bypassing stuff that just makes my skin crawl. Um, but I will tell you, if you've been certainly to one of my shows or if you've been in my circle or in my programs, you will know um, that that definitely changed. Let me say it like this. That definitely fucking changed. Uh, I want people to know truly, exactly as Annalise says, that we are able to evolve. We can rewrite our stories. We can be more than one thing at a time. Uh, and here's maybe what's more important to me and what I really want to get across is that we are not just creative by nature, all of us creative by nature. We actually are creation. We are actually products of creation. We are creation at our core. That is what we are. It's what we know best. Even when we don't think that we know it, we do know it deep within. Which is why, think about it, it's why feeling stuck in life is so painful. You've probably had that feeling before. I just feel so stuck, right? It's because human beings are literally hardwired for evolution. And we need to remember that evolving who we are, whether that's editing a narrative or recreating our career, rebuilding relationships, or being a spiritual person who swears. That is our essential nature. Evolution is who we are, and it is literally why we are here. Thank you for joining this edit of the Unapologetic Stories podcast. If you're ready to share your truth and rewrite your personal life story, connect with me at unapologeticstories.com for all the details on speaker training, storytelling, and strategizing your way through this one big life. If you've enjoyed listening, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast listening app or Apple Podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Unapologetic Anna for new speaker training start dates. Until next time, stay brave, stay unapologetic, and keep bringing in your truth.